All right, it's two minutes uh, past 11, at least uh, in my time zone. So welcome everyone uh, to the virtual learning and training hack session. So we will host this as a, yeah, a Zoom session, but it will also be recorded as a podcast. So I will try to talk neutral also for everyone consuming this afterwards. Uh, so, but first let's introduce ourselves, uh, the speakers very briefly. So I start on the left with myself. Hi everyone. I'm Thomas, Thomas Jennewein based in Karlsruhe. And, uh, since the last 20 something years here at SAP, very passionate around education technologies, podcasts, one of my hobbies, digital transformation, corporate learning, and many much uh, more things. Uh, but uh, the key person today is Mark, who's a key expert uh, on all things of virtual training. Mark, could you perhaps tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, what you do? Of course, I'd be delighted. Thank you, Thomas. So hello, everybody. My name is Mark Green, and um, I work with SAP Education for the last 20 years. Um, I'm an instructor. I'm also a course author and also an exam writer. I deliver my courses um, in the classroom and also virtually as well for, for some years now. Um, I've worked uh, in the UK. I'm based in London, but I also have worked uh, for some years in the US as well in the education department there. Uh, I have a special involvement in virtual training. Uh, I was uh, basically part of the launch team uh, back in 27. So this is quite some years ago when we first started out with delivering our classes virtually using Adobe Connect back in those days. And one of my jobs was to enable the global instructors and help them transition uh, from classroom to virtual training and develop virtual training skills. Then when we changed our technology uh, over to um, Zoom in the last two or three years, I redid that whole enablement program again. And I'm responsible for making sure our instructors are fully skilled and ready to teach effectively using virtual training tools. And could you perhaps state one, two points, what you do next to work? Oh, outside of work. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Yes. Well, I'm a, I'm a motorcycle um, fanatic, so I'm always tinkering with my bike and riding all over London in my bike and in the countryside as well. Um, I'm also a, maybe I shouldn't share such personal information, but I'm also a karaoke um, fanatic as well. So uh, yeah, you might see me in the, in the bars in the evening in London singing. <laughs> maybe with that with that gruesome uh, image in your head maybe we should move on all right and and you're a dog lover are you uh, in the uh, preparation i saw your dog uh, walking around but i think he's now not uh, inside the room with you uh, that's right i have two little dogs my two little dogs they are sitting in my in my uh, office at home when i'm teaching with me keeping me warm in the winter <laughs> put my feet on them it's really nice but they listen to um, all my classes and they they they're very good they don't chip in too much you know they've heard it all before all right so let's uh, perhaps start with uh, with the first point an icebreaker uh, so we would like to do this uh, now with you so we already talked a little bit about us and did a little bit of warm-up so perhaps you can use the chat and describe in three words uh, uh, what your best friends uh, would use to describe you just use the chat in the session and I will try to read aloud and now I think there are quite many people already 70 80 people so now it will start to 
Pop-Up hier, Loyal, Passionate, Stubborn, Brave, Workaholic, Energy, Passion, Trustworthy, OCD, Dedicated, Humorous, Friendly, Sporty, Reliable. You, that's great. We have a pretty diverse, uh, let's say, target group here, right? That's some great ones. <laughs> yeah. And we see many more messages, Reliable, Sporty. We see some patterns. But I don't need to be you now make a scientific research out of that. But it's uh, it's interesting, and perhaps you ask yourself, why are we doing this? So I think uh, icebreakers or check-ins, however you call it, is uh, helpful that people arrive arrive also mentally, but perhaps even uh, arrive emotionally, uh, because often, especially in training and in our case, even product training, that's very cognitive, but we also want to stimulate the more the emotional uh, parts of our brain and we, uh, we can't neglect that. And that's why there are many, many different kinds of uh, such exercises. And they're still popping up, smart, thoughtful, creative, great to have all, uh, all of you here. And so that's, uh, sounds like a great, uh, 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 uh group here. Perfect. All right. So perhaps we, we move on. But Thomas just wanted yeah. to jump in. That's a great, yes. that's a great example of early engagement yeah. with, with the um, students. I mean, a, an instructor wants the student to engage as early as possible so that they are feeling connected to the event. And I think that's a good example. An icebreaker also means that uh, you get to know a little bit about the students as well in the class in fun ways. Yeah, and we are all social animals or whatever you call it. We are no, not machines. Uh, so I think it's important to do this connection in emotional uh, uh, start. All right, thanks. So let's look at the agenda. So I will briefly moderate through that. So what we want to talk today is uh, in the beginning, we will look at some tips for virtual learning and training. Uh, like intros and especially also yeah, ideas to keep the attention, motivation and some other uh, challenges. Then also we prepared some myths and uh, misconceptions of online training and we challenge those. Um, I will play the doubting Thomas, you know my name. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. So uh, I will challenge Mark. Uh, and in the end, also, we will share a little bit of information, how to learn SAP products and technology virtual. All right. Also, what we would like to, uh, to, to, to say is what we are showing today and uh, what not. Yeah. So, so we ask in the, in the registration of the online session, we ask what, what your, what your exp uh, expectation is. And, uh, uh, and there were many, many uh, topics coming up. So we, we hope we can, we can touch most of them or many of them. Of course, we can to touch all. So uh, we try to group it. So some questions were around general tips for virtual training, uh, detailed questions for engaging virtual training, how to learn products virtually. So we see also different perspective. It's a little bit of uh, transferring knowledge and training, but also for, for the learner. Uh, and there were also many questions uh, regarding sub-technology, sub-software. So we try to focus on the left area. But we will, uh, we, in the session today, we can't cover any, 
let's say, what are the details of sub S for HANA, FICO, and so on. We can give you some resources at the end where you can inform yourself about trainings. And we also have an additional webinar going much more into detail into that. Uh, but today we, we will more focus on the left side. Yeah, so like uh, tips for virtual training and uh, engaging virtual training. So, so Mark, any addition from your side or? No, I just wanted to add that I think that this session was was is really aimed at two different audiences, but there's a lot that they have in common. So we're aiming this at the student who's taking the virtual class, but also it's aimed as well at the instructor who is delivering the class. And we thought that because so many people would come in from both sides, that we try to address common issues as well, because many of the issues that affect the student also can affect the instructor and vice versa. So you'll find a lot of overlap in there. There are some things that we'll, ad we'll address specifically to an instructor, some specifically to the student, and sometimes both. Yeah, and what I like, we, we had this actually as a vision years ago, but I think that's still, I think, a good mantra or motto. So everybody is a learner and a teacher. And also some people say uh, the ultimate uh, way of learning is teaching. Uh, but okay, I don't want to be philosophical now. <laughs> just, just to add to what Mark said. All right. <laughs> it sounds like we should have a picture in the kitchen. Everyone is a teacher. In the <laughs> Perfect. All right. So another engagement with you in the audience. So I would like to launch a poll and double check with you how experienced you see yourself with virtual learning. So what I will do now is to launch a poll. And for the ones uh, listening also audio, of course, I will read along. Uh, uh, I also allow us to vote. So now a usual uh, a window should pop up for you. And you could say how experienced you are with virtual learning. Do you see yourself as very high, high, medium, low, very low? So we see the questions coming in, uh, the answers coming in. Uh, it's, it looks like a normal standard deviation. <laughs> it's funny, a little bit. Uh, so uh, some like 10% are very high, 40% are high and medium. And then again, low is eight, very low is three. So it's, I wouldn't even say diverse. So we, I think like always we, we, we hope to give some inspiration to the very experienced folks amongst you, but uh, also to to, uh, to the others, of course, yeah. So to have something for everyone in the end. All right, so thanks very much for the poll. And of course, on the meta level, you saw that's already another way of audience engagement, which is helpful in the beginning uh, of a session uh, to on the one hand, interact with the audience, but also see where people stand and, for example, where, what their knowledge level is. I think it's interesting, Thomas, if we'd asked this question one year ago, mm. I wonder what the result would look like. This is the pre-pandemic um, lockdown situation. I mean, I think a lot of us now, a lot of students have experienced virtual training through necessity because they, they had no chance to go to a classroom. So they've kind of been forced into this environment. And it's interesting, this is, this I'm sure a year ago would have looked a little different and, and a bit more in the medium low than the medium high. Mm. Yeah, abs absolutely. So like uh, willingly or unwillingly, uh, so people moved up the curve, <laughs> I would say a little bit at least. And, it's, and it wasn't that painful, really. It yeah. really wasn't. No, not that painful than in... Uh, 
homeschooling, but that's a totally different topic I don't <laughs> want to touch today. So, okay, then another audience engagement. Uh, so what I would like to do and now with the chat, I think chat is also very powerful. It's, uh, it doesn't scale that much, but it's uh, very interactive and very qualitative, of course, because some things you just can't put in a five-point scale. Uh, so where do you see the main challenges in virtual training? Perhaps we start with that and then perhaps Mark can respond to that with uh, his uh, experience. So let me look what is coming in uh, from you. Uh, as a teacher or learner, question mark, that's a good uh, point. I would say for, for both. Yes. Uh, keep attention span, multitasking, big issue, yeah, internet connectivity, keep the human experience, distractions, low attention span, get the people to turn to the camera, focus on time, group size, very good. Yeah, camera on off, like technical handling, the pace of the information, yeah, it's getting more and more. Keeping attention and engagement of learners over longer periods, or yeah, like a whole semester. Designing also break times, yeah, in longer sessions, absolutely. Timing diaries, like self-management, self-organization, probably. All right, keep it coming. Ensuring speakers are available, right? Interruption, yeah. People are just answering, find peer experience. Too much time focusing in the screen, create tiredness. Yeah, this Zoom fatigue even, that's a whole new word, like Googling or so yeah. was created. Uh, but it's, of course, not focused on Zoom, but in general, that people perhaps don't do enough breaks and so on. All right, multitasking, integrate social learning. So there are a lot of points coming in. That's that's very good network distractions. I, see, I think we see some patterns. And of course, uh, we also prepared a little bit uh, for that. Uh, so thanks very much. So I think now poor connectivity, absolutely. Yeah, like the basics of, let's say, material, hardware and so on also is yeah. important. All right. So Mark, where do you see the key challenges for trainers and students in a virtual class? Perhaps we just move to more discussion mode and I stop the PowerPoint. So what, what, what is your experience? Uh, you saw some of the chat uh, points. Yeah, let's, let's pick up on, on one of the um, most frequently um, uh, mentioned challenges there was, was this attention, maintaining focus and attention. I mean, we should certainly acknowledge that this is a, a, a major issue. Um, I think for nearly everybody, it's difficult to maintain attention uh, over a period of time, um, staring at a screen. You can only do that for so long. Um, of course, many of these challenges, some of them at least, are in common with a classroom environment as well. I mean, it's it's also possible to become distracted and drift away while you're sitting in a classroom and lose the attention there. But it's just that when we're in our own environment, we're surrounded by potential distractors. You know, we, we keep our phone um, next to us. We, we have apps open on the same machine. Um, when you're in a controlled environment such as the training center, you know, there are things that you just simply cannot do. We don't keep, um, we, we, we try and restrict the computers so that they only have the, the minimal um, applications that are needed. But at home, of course, and in your office, when you're away from a training center, we, we can't control that environment. So that means it's easy for the students to become easily distracted. I think everybody starts out with good intentions, but then over time, it, it's very easy to become distracted, um, especially when you are perhaps finishing up an activity, you finished early, 
and you are thinking, what shall I do now? It's difficult just to sit quietly. Uh, everybody wants to feel productive. And uh, usually there's other challenges as well, other projects running in the background. So you're always checking in. And, and I think we've just become, it's very habitual now. We're just used to constantly ping, you know, looking at our phones, constantly checking emails and so on. So I think really what we have to do is just try to focus on, on the topic and surround yourself with distractions that are helpful and healthy and related to the learning. In other words, if you are finishing up an activity and you think, I'm going to become distracted if I don't have something to do, then there are usually plenty of resources that relate to the topic we're learning. So, for example, I would say to my students, uh, you can always open up the help documentation online. There's a sea of information there that you could use just to browse the topic that we're discussing, extra detail, deep dives, etc. Go online and just look at other resources as well. So I, I would say to, to students, be, if you're going to be distracted, be distracted by healthy distractions as well. What you don't want to do is, is zoom out, tune out of the topic. I think when people start tuning out, it's very hard to get then back in. So that's the thing there. I think also because at this current time during this um, very unusual situation during the pandemic, we are, of course, having a lot of uh, students at home. They are surrounded in very sometimes difficult situations in that they've got, I mean, I've, I've taught classes, uh, I've had students that are squashed up on the kitchen table you know with the kids learning side by side and their partner also in conference calls it's almost like a little you know a little team effort around the kitchen table there and so we have to as, as instructors definitely acknowledge that it's not always easy um for, for uh you know for, for, for to, when you are delivering classes in this in this particular time um there are a lot of distractions at home uh, but i think it's important as well to for a student to prioritize their learning you know you spend a lot of money on on your training you have to you know really think about uh, making sure that you just prioritize it make sure that you don't you know, schedule home repairs <laughs> while you're sitting in the class and ask being asked asking the instructor it's okay if I step out for a little while while I deal with some issues at home we, we know that a lot of the um, students also have uh, would, would rather be in their own offices but their offices are closed as well so it's important to just accept that this is a, a difficult time but I think maintaining attention maintaining focus is always a challenge I think the key the key thing is just be aware of it and I think the, the, the thing as well is do the obvious things, close up apps you don't need, make sure that you don't surround yourself with unhealthy distractions and, and just keep the distractions to the things if you need to, 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 the ones that are healthier as well. Because I think it's unrealistic to, to ask everybody to stay focused 100% of the time. I think I just want to mention as well, one, one breakthrough um, that we had was when we introduced cameras to the virtual training environment, that for us was a huge step forward because in the early days it was uh, that we used a platform that didn't have a camera enablement and so it was very easy for students to step away or you know turn to the side and work on their laptops doing emails working on other tasks as well and the instructor would never know that so people were constantly in and out of the session it was becoming pretty clear so I think that with the cameras on I think it's important that the instructor makes sure that they're engaging everybody all the time um, make sure that they perhaps have extra content handy as well to keep people engaged. But also the instructor needs to look out for the drifters, the people that are drifting out. I mean, clear signs to me are somebody constantly turns their camera off, is, is telling me that they're, they're distracted by something else that's going on. Um, so if that's happening, I might 
you know, actually um, address the uh, the student privately and just ask if everything's fine, if they, you know, need some more time to do something else and what have you. Just acknowledge it, I think, is the key thing here. Yeah, but, but I, what I also saw in own experience, but also in discussions is, and you mentioned it a little bit, it's just a holistic view. It's not only uh, learning methods, it's also having the right equipment, uh, setting the right space, like what you mentioned, uh, like furniture, also looking at your body, like doing some breaks and so on. Yes. So it's it's not just one point. It's a multiple of points. And I think we, we need to, I think, always improve, but also many of us needed to get uh, adjust to it. And uh, I think this destruction topic definitely is uh, is a big point. We, we had... We had some questions uh, from from the audience. Uh, I'm just thinking if we should uh, discuss this at the end, perhaps better in the Q&A, um, like what is the optimal uh, number of participants, what is uh, the optimal length. And uh, this, of course, depends pretty much of the context of a, of a training session. Uh, but, uh, oh, Mark, I think... Yeah, I, I think, yeah, let's try to deal with some of those issues towards the end. I think we are going to cover many, many topics um, coming up next. Um, but, um, yeah, I think just to, just to kind of summarize, yeah, it is it is difficult. We, we If you Google challenges in virtual training, 99% of, the, of the, the, the first hits are all about losing focus, keeping mm. attention and so on. And, and I think that we should recognize that it's not just a problem with virtual training. It is a problem of keeping somebody sat still for a few hours. That's a general problem. It's amplified in the virtual environment because people are in their own environment and they can drift away much more easy. When we have people in a classroom, we, we kind of are able to, you know, basically – it, it, it discouraged them from doing the things that they would be doing that would be easier to do at home. So in other words, you, you know, you don't get out of your seat in the classroom and start wandering around, leave the room, do something else. You know, you, you tend to sit still <laughs> and um, focus or at least look like you're focusing as well. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. So I think, I think it's, I think it's, it's a responsibility on both sides. I think mm. the instructors can do certain things, make sure they don't uh, leave gaps, empty space, make sure we break often, of course, is an important thing as well. Um, you know, have lots of um, opportunities to just have participation, I think is an important thing. I think encouraging engagement and interaction is essential here. We, 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 we really need to stimulate, you know, The students, we need to have them engaged and, and having them just in listening mode for long periods of time is definitely a sure way to generate that m m mode that they get into where they start drifting out. Mm. <clears throat> Another point uh, of view on, on this whole virtual learning setting is also that there are many misconceptions. So perhaps we can look at that and uh, also move uh, along. So we, we prepared five, what we very often hear. Um, just uh, show the, showing the first one. Uh, so, for example, uh, and now, like I mentioned in the introduction, I play the doubting Thomas. Also, I now have, I'm the advoca advocatus di diaboli and uh, <clears throat> a challenge a virtual training. So, isn't a virtual training low interactive uh, because everyone is not in the same room? So, Mark, what is your take on that? Well, of course, as you just heard, you know, it, it is it is important for uh, engagement to be um, something that's built in right from the very beginning. I think we, we showed with those icebreakers, those polls, I think getting people involved 
right from the start, not later. You know, we have to get people involved right from the beginning, get get the interaction levels very high, but maintain them and ensure that you prioritize this interaction. It's so important. I mean, for me as, as an instructor, I, I get I, I know when I, I'm when my the interaction levels are are dipping um, because it, it just feels like I'm doing all the talking. And although I have a lot of things to say, a lot of things to explain, I think it's important as an instructor, especially to give space and time for the participation as well. And of course, asking questions is a very simple technique. Um, checking and you know, um, pinging people, putting together some prepared questions and so on. But I think it's also a responsibility of the student to participate actively. I think that, it, 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 you know, a student shouldn't sit back and wait to be asked questions. I think it's really important in order to get the best out of the training that the student decides at the beginning, I am going to be an active participant, not passive. And I think that's the responsibility of the student. Uh, and the again, it has to be throughout. It can't just be a, a burst of energy at the beginning of the session. You know, we, we need this to stay throughout. And those students that do participate actively get the most out of the class. They enjoy it more. They, they feel it was um, certainly more fun. They also um, have helped other students as well because it becomes more collaborative as well. So I think that Yes, it is a myth. Um, it is a concern. You know, students who were joining a, a virtual class compared to a classroom class might feel that somehow they're coming to a, a class where they just sit back in their chair and just listen for hours or even days. They need to actively participate and take on the responsibility themselves. And the instructor will ensure that happens as well by interacting, you know, very specifically with uh, the students at times. So another point is uh, technical issues so what what is your take on that uh yeah technical issues again th this is something that is amplified with the virtual training compared to the classroom where in the classroom it's a controlled environment the pcs are identical you know we we we, we give everybody the same equipment There's no variability there. You know, there's, the, the thing with the virtual class is people come with their own equipment. There's all kinds of variability. We have different networks, Wi-Fi's, et cetera. So there is, there is always, of course, the risk that uh, technical issues could arise. What, what we've tried to do at SAP is minimize as much as we can those technical issues. And I think most, most students are in pretty mature You know, well set up environments these days uh, and the software that we use zoom is very tolerant of low bandwidth you know network issues as well we chose that software very deliberately to be very tolerant of um, uh, environments that are perhaps um, from home locations where people are sharing wi-fi and so on i think one of the things we can do is set up early check early i think that's always the thing that i say What, one of the things that um, I, I, I often find is that students come to the class and they use the first part of the class as their setup time. In other words, they're testing their equipment for the first time. They are checking um, that um, their, their cameras are working, for example. They're testing their mic. And we're dealing often in the early parts of a class with technical issues, which should have been dealt with a lot earlier. So when you sign up for an SAP live class, you will be sent links to set up and check that everything is working. Do self-tests in Zoom. Can you hear yourself? Is your microphone okay? Uh, are you on camera? Is everything working? Have you got the right bandwidth, etc.? So, so it's important to do all these pre-checks and not use the first moments of a class to do your setup. I think that's very important just to minimize that issue of technical, um, technical challenges. 
Yeah, thanks very much. Because I think if the basics don't work, like sound, or for example, it's yep. very hard to learn. <clears throat> so another myth is also that people may think I will not feel supported, let's say, by the trainer, by my fellow participants. I don't know them. I don't see them. I don't hear them. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's another common a common concern that that people will have. I mean, of course, if what we need to first of all start off by saying is that virtual classes um, can be of varying sizes. I mean, if you're if you're going to join a class with two hundred people, mm. then clearly you know you're not going to feel very connected to the instructor. Uh, or, or any of anybody else for that matter. But SCP classes, they're not that size. You know, our classes are usually quite small, quite intimate environments. And um, there will be certainly more opportunity to engage with the instructor for, for the support that you need. You know, we use a software product, Zoom, to enable us to share screens. We are constantly asking students to share their screen um, so that we can see what's going on and, and help them. And, you know, a, a, a good instructor will always make sure that they are monitoring the progress of the student and not just leaving them to sit in the background. You know, we are constantly checking to make sure that students are making good progress. And also bear in mind that many of our training courses require activities to be completed before you can move on to the next activity so it, it's kind of difficult to sort of fall behind i mean of course if the instructor's not paying attention to a student they can fall behind quite significantly but in our classes we we need progress to be monitored the instructor checks to make sure everybody's moving forward students do have the means to ask for help share screens of course they have chat for private uh, questions as well that they might not want to ask publicly um, but it's important to recognize that it is again the responsibility of the not just the instructor but the participant to ensure they ask for help and know that they can ask for help and here's one thing that always surprises me um it, it always seems to me that students feel that they can't ask any other student any question or get help from somebody else let me take an example if i'm in a classroom sometimes if i'm To helping a student i'll turn to the side and i'll find one or two other students who may be sitting next to each other helping each other and they just turn they turn backwards they help the, the people in front the lady behind it's it's quite nice that there's this self-help community uh, and i was trying to encourage that with the virtual training clearly it's more difficult but it, it surprises me that often it's not known that it's okay that students can talk with each other as well. Now, of course, clearly we have some challenges there because if everybody's talking at the same time, we are going to have some problems. But certainly there are opportunities as well, you know, via chat for people to ask each other various questions. Can someone remind me of the password, for example? Most students will be able to answer that question. So I think it's important to remember as a student that you, you can ask questions and, and interact as well with other students as well and, and get support from your learning colleagues mm -hmm. as well as the instructor so again that's something for both sides for the trainer to enable this to stimulate that to ask for it but yes. for the student also let's say to do it and to take the ownership uh, right uh, indeed uh, indeed mm. indeed i mean again even even an instructor will typically uh, during the exercise sit back and wait for somebody to ask for help or perhaps proactively you know check on people see how they're doing we tend not to you know paint, you know just just uh, look over people's shoulders we don't ask people to share their screens constantly but but when people need help they're of course, they of course can can ask for help but i think it's important that um everybody recognizes that 
we all need to play our part in this. And I think students need to know that they should certainly ask for help when they need it, um, because it is the job of the instructor to provide that help. And typically an instructor is sitting back during an exercise waiting to be asked for help. For me, I, I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm just waiting for someone to need me to help them. Uh, and I'm delighted when I am needed because then I can jump in and start to guide people. And also those that are listening as well tend to get helped uh, you know, at the same time as well. So you might find other people also chipping in and saying, ah, I was going to ask that. Yes, that's where I was stuck as well. So it's important to do that. And also stimulate peer-to-peer -peer learning. So I like that also that you uh, ask for that. So another myth is, and we had it a little bit in the challenges already before uh, regarding attention, yeah. but the common myth I think is it will be too tiring to focus for hours. Because uh, if, if you have a complex subject, you probably, you can't teach it in a webinar for half an hour, like how S4HANA finance, whatever yeah. uh, can be set up. Uh, or, so what, what is your response to that? Yeah, well, well, I mean, it, again, this is not hugely different from from the classroom mm. environment, you know, where we we you know we have these classes running for six, seven hours a day, you know, five days a week. You know, it can be tiring, and I think that just like in the classroom, we need to break the 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 session up into smaller chunks. But I think it's more important, especially in the virtual environment, that we provide plenty of breaks. And you'll find that you know, SAP live class uh, deliveries are organized in that way i mean we, we we don't forget we encourage instructors through the their the training that we give the instructor that they need to be mindful that they cannot keep the students in sessions for one hour 30 minutes two hours this is just not productive i think we we know that um the the attention is um at best uh, the attention span is best at the beginnings and at the ends of these sessions so we what we want is lots of starts and lots of endings and and not too much of the middle part so actually You'll find that instructors do tend to break more frequently in the virtual training environment. Um, so in, it's just because in a training center, it's quite disruptive to keep breaking frequently because it usually involves a long walk to the cafeteria. Mm. It's kind of hard to bring people back in. They're standing in the corridor talking. There's kind of logistical issues that really delay people perhaps coming back into classrooms quickly. But um, typically in the virtual environment, you can actually afford to have more frequent breaks because The students tend to only step away to somewhere very locally. You know, in your house, you might go to get a coffee. You might step into the next room, but actually you might just stand up and stretch. So you don't tend to drift too far away from your, your, uh, your, your, your learning environment. So we can actually afford to have more frequent breaks. And I think that's important to ensure that we do get a chance to step away um, and, and create more beginnings and endings that keep people's attention. All right. So more breaks, perhaps shorter breaks. Very good point. Yeah. All right. So another point is also uh, the social aspect is missing. I think it's a, perhaps a little bit overlapping with some of the previous one, but many people go to a, let's say, traditional uh, class face to face to meet other people, to network. So uh, and some people perhaps believe that this is missing somehow in a virtual uh, context. So what do you think? Yeah, and that's understandable because for sure, you know, if one of the 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 the, um, the, the things that people are very excited about when they come to a classroom isn't just the learning 
um, opportunity, but it's the the chance to have a day out. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Who doesn't want to be in a nice hotel with a comfy bed and and you know a little bit of a break? You know, it's a social evening with with your, especially when you're traveling with your own colleagues as well from your office. It's all fun. There's no there's no getting away from that. Um, I think that we we really though have to focus on the learning outcome here. I think it's important that to re- recognize that what what is the most important isn't the the day out, you know, the socializing, etc. I think that's a nice byproduct, but I think it's important to focus on the training, the learning outcome. And I think most students recognize that that is the priority. Um, certainly, it's, you know, learning virtually to a degree can be social because there are opportunities, as I mentioned just now, to interact not just with the instructor, but also with the student. But I think it would be um, really, um, I don't think we would convince anyone that they're going to get the same kind of social experience in a virtual environment as they would as if they were going to a training center. But, you know, there's pros and cons. We, we cut out the travel. We cut out the hassle, the, the time away from your family. There's all, you know, there's the positive side with that to that as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's as social as you want it to be in virtual training. If you want to interact with other um, colleagues, then you can. I mean, what I would say is that what I find quite interesting and I was, always makes me smile is that, when I see a lot of the students who know other students because they're in the same company or in the same larger organization, and yet these people have never met each other, mm. and it's the first time that they meet each other in a virtual environment face-to-face on camera, and it's great to see them suddenly using this as an opportunity to um, get to know each other as well. So that's that's something that um, just demonstrates there is a level of social um, connectivity as well. Then what we what you prepared uh, also thanks so much so uh, of course you not really need to convince me as a doubting Thomas but I hope this was <laughs> helpful uh, for you in the in the session uh, to look at some of the typical myths and perhaps that's also interesting if your trainer and uh, your target group or your management needs to be convinced uh, how to do that. So, uh, Mark, you also uh, summarized some uh, now uh, some tips for students. So, do you want to go briefly through that? Like, what what are your tips? Sure. I mean, these are specifically for students, so, mm. and maybe some of these are, are quite obvious. But I thought mm. it was just worth putting them down because we certainly want to encourage students to get their setup sorted out early. Again, I see it time after time. Students come to class; they they really they they, they neglect the setup. They, they, they think it could be done on the day of the training, on the morning of the training. And a lot of the time, you know, those are the students that are missing out on those early important messages while they're fiddling around with sound and equipment and so on. Just get, get those things sorted out. SAP will always send you information long time before the course, sometimes weeks before, so you can test your equipment, set it up, make sure that you are... Um, you know, not dealing with issues in the morning that's just going to get in the way of a great start to your to your your experience. Um, make sure that you also invest in a good in good equipment location setup. And and what I mean by that is, again, you know, if you're spending a lot of money on training, the last thing you want is a cheap headset. You know, I've seen it many times before where students have come to class, a five day class. You know, this is uh, this their company or themselves have spent a lot of money on this, yet they will be very cheap with the equipment as well. I mean, it, it really is worth the investment. The sound quality, um, the, 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 uh, the, the visuals, they need to be as the best they can be. Make sure you invest in a good size monitor. Um, 
students should also consider if they can connect a second monitor you know zoom gives you the ability to split your screen across two screens as well get comfortable you're going to be sitting in front of this equipment maybe multiple times over a program of training so just invest time and effort in making a good setup because this is your new home uh, and you want to make sure that you are able to optimize your learning and not be getting in the equipment in the way of your learning progress as well. It's also important to be in a good location. I think that's pretty obvious too. Make sure you invest in setting up a great location. I'll tell you some, some funny stories. I've had students turning up in all kinds of strange locations and some of the funniest ones involve where someone's camera comes on and all I've got is lots of boxes. And when I, and it's all very dark and I ask the person, who I can't see, I say, well, okay, where are you? And they say something like, oh, excuse me, I'm just trying to get through. I, I'm just in the basement at the moment. I'm just sitting around or in the attic. It's because they're, they're trying to get themselves in a location that's that's quiet. I think it's important to just think this through. Um, we understand that sometimes it's not easy to find an ideal location, but um, it, it's amazing how, how sometimes students don't pay attention to making sure they're comfortable and in a very suitable location before the class starts. Be an active student from the start. Mm. I've said that before. I think this is one of the most important things. You've, you know, this is your class. Make sure you actively participate right from the very beginning. When there's a question being asked, respond to it. Don't be one of these kind of lazy, lazy sort of students that just sits back and thinks everybody else will do all the answering and I'll just kind of watch. I think it's important to actually make the effort to participate answer the questions, have an opinion, chip in, you know, actually contribute continually, make it a habit. And then you will find yourself more plugged in to that training session. Now, this might seem an obvious one, but at break time, hmm. take a break. <laughs> You'll be surprised how many people just sit there just thinking, well, okay, I don't really need a coffee. I kind of, I'm fine. I'll just sit here and wait for the next start. But I think it's really important to get out of your seat, step away and create an end and then a beginning of the next session. It's really important for your, uh, you know, for the whole optimization, because if you sit here and just create a whole joined up sequence of sessions, it will feel like you just sat for hours and hours and hours without a break. So when it's break time, take a break. And that might mean doing something a little bit different from what you're learning, you know, step away. Of course, clearly do not fall into the trap of getting sucked into something very distracting, like uh, dealing with an email, an escalation issue that suddenly sucks you in and away from the class. Be very careful. Do healthy things that are good for the training. Um, you can uh, use other students for support as well. I mentioned this just now. It, it's surprising again. Mm. Students need to know that it is okay to interact with other students as well. You know, help out, chip in, answer questions, ask for help and so forth. Because it's, again, in my experience, unless an instructor explains that it's okay to do that, the default mode for most students is just talk only to the instructor, communicate just with the instructor as if somehow it's forbidden to speak to anybody else. It is okay to speak to other, to communicate with other uh, learners as well. And um, again, I've mentioned this before, these distractions, they are the enemy uh, in virtual training. Um, we're surrounded by these distractions. We won't go back through that again, but just be careful to be aware of these, be conscious, and just make it so that you understand that these distractions are you know, all around us uh, and, and make sure that you, again, invest in your learning, your training time, 
and be aware that even a little distraction becomes a big distraction quite quickly and it can escalate. And suddenly, once you step out of a training course and you're, you're, you're in a different mindset, I think it's sometimes hard to get back in because then your brain is dealing with two issues. You're trying to learn. You're trying to deal with the escalation issue. You're, you know, you're trying to deal with a problem. And I think that you then just do a bad job of both then you just need to refocus again. So just watch those distractions. So there's some tips for uh, for the students. I mean, th- there's there's tips as well, of course, for instructors. But right. then we we have a whole platform of enablement videos, tutorials for the instructors. Because I mean, of, of course, students would not expect uh, an instructor to be fumbling around with equipment and have poor technique. It's absolutely essential that the um, instructor is practiced and uh, familiar with all the technology. Um, So, you know, obviously instructors have their own way of learning and the techniques, we have our own resources for that as well. But I think just something that is in common for the instructor and the the student as well is, you know, camera is king. We have to keep the cameras on. It's really important. We, we, We made this breakthrough about three years ago. Cameras changed the game completely for us. You know, face-to-face is really important. And we need to make sure that the student recognizes that the camera is important. It's a tool. Instructors use the face-to-face communication. Mm. You know, most instructors have a second monitor. They they can see people's faces constantly. Students should be aware that even, you know, that an instructor is actually able to see them um, and, and does actually notice when they are that their faces are, are telling a story which is like you know i'm not interested i'm not following i'm struggling so it's kind of important to make sure that you know that the camera is really not just a a, a, a device it's actually a tool that we use um, and of course it works the other way as well you know imagine if you had um, an instructor with no face you know you were just listening to a, a slide for, for hours and hours it doesn't really work so well so, I mean, it, it's important that we recognize cameras are important as well and, and make sure that they are on uh, all the time as well. I think breakout rooms as well can play an important part in the class. So just another tip maybe for the instructors, but of course the student participates as well, is that breakout rooms um, can be great. Set up a breakout room. Um, I will set up a breakout room in my classes and I call it a kind of the private surgery breakout room. And I use that when I want to talk with one or, or a small number of students in a private setting. One of, the, one of the challenges is when you're trying to help a student with a particular problem in an exercise, of course, in a classroom environment, you can go up to that person, speak quietly to them and not distract the other students But it's impossible to do that in the virtual training environment. When I'm talking to one student, everyone is hearing at the same level of audio. So it can be very distracting. I know students sometimes take off their headsets when I'm helping another student because they don't want to hear me helping that other person, especially if it's around something that's pretty basic, like I can't log on. I'm having some issues with my computer and so on. So what I tend to do is have a breakout room already prepared. And I ask the student, meet me in the breakout room. In Zoom, it's easy. We set a breakout room. We call it surgery or private room. And then we just go there with a couple of clicks. Because it's important as well as to remember, though, that you have to use those minimally. I think it's very interesting. Often instructors ask me, should should I break up my class into breakout rooms and 
I think overuse of breakout rooms is a problem. What we don't want to have is a fragmented class and also a class where the instructors can get lost in different breakout rooms. How frustrating would it be to be in a classroom and the, the instructor and one or two students has walked away from a classroom and is down the corridor in a private office, you know, and then you're waiting for those guys to come back. So I think we need to be careful to use breakout rooms effectively, but minimally as well. I think they are also built for more workshop settings where you reflect things and uh, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so I think actually, so. Yes, yes. And so actually, you're already uh, answering some of the chat questions, which were, for example, uh, if what are your tips uh, regarding uh, uh, tool set for instructors? I don't know. Perhaps you just can talk about your own. Uh, 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 equipment, what you found helpful. You already mentioned the, of course, second monitor, mm -hmm. camera, extra camera, good sound. I know you have some other stuff, uh, like the virtual background behind you. That's a nice green screen. Actually. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. I think mm. that, um, yes, I have a very good setup here because, of course, as a trainer, I want to give the students the best experience. I have um, a dedicated uh, environment here. I've got great lighting. Uh, I've got a blackout blind. I mean, I'm making sure that the, the visuals look good. The sound is good. I've got a headset with a built-in mic. This is a nice little piece of equipment as well. I don't know if you can see this here. I'm putting this up on my camera here. This is a, a desktop camera. There we go. That's a better view. And that allows me to project any paper, uh, any drawings that I'm doing on the desk onto the, um, to the camera. So that means that then I can bring up my pictures, my drawings. Um, so I've got a kind of effectively a whiteboard. And also, it's helpful I can show any other documentation as well. Another thing I also do is I, I use my iPad with an Apple Pencil. That's my whiteboard as well. I use different apps that um, I, I use to draw. I can also then send those drawings to the students as well. So there's all kinds of different things that I've developed over time to just enhance my own delivery as well. I think most instructors have their own setup and, and the ones that are you know, delivering a lot of training. I've got some pretty nice setups and we like to share information as well in this instructor community as to what's working well and what isn't working well. I think that there's, there's also a danger in this as well. Too much equipment, mm. too many applications. One of the challenges of the virtual training I just want to just want to come to now is we're dealing with an extra layer of technology mm. that is not um, present in the classroom environment. Think about how when you come to a training center, you know, we don't have to deal with, you know, any anything apart from just coming in, finding a seat, sitting at a computer. That's it. It's pretty obvious what to do to get started. But with the virtual training, we are dealing with technology. We have to explain how to use the chat, how to put the cameras on and off. We're all dealing with an extra layer of technology. Now at SAP, we're teaching technology products. But it's interesting that we first have to show people how to use some technology for us to be able to teach them that technology from SAP. So we have to be, you know, basically able to deal with this smoothly. The instructor, of course, will be well practiced, not too many things to, to juggle with, flipping between drawing applications, double cameras and all this kind of stuff. What we don't want to have is instructors getting lost in this complexity, but equally students as well. They should learn the basic settings of Zoom, for example, and know how to use those because this extra layer of technology, of course, is an overhead in terms of the mm. virtual training, but it should mm. not be you know, mm. such an overhead that it's distracting right. to, to anyone. All right. So we're coming to the full hour. So thanks so much for sharing 
so perhaps we, we wrap it up and uh, then also look at the Q&A. So what we prepared for you is some further resources. Uh, so like also a good point is also to, to try out things. Uh, so if you're interested more in subtraining resources, we have a free trial of Learning Hub and Able Now Interactive Demo or Sublife Class page. We also have a webinar uh, soon on uh, all the different delivery methods, how you can learn SAP virtual and also some blogs with many, many more tips. Uh, also what we connect uh, collected, for example, with the SAP community. So please check them out. You get the uh, slides later. And we also have a podcast where we discuss especially topics around learning and training. And what you also can do, of course, is to, uh, to experience sub live class, our virtual classroom. Uh, with uh, people like Mark on other trainers uh, do that and uh, before we come to the Q&A also very briefly I, I saw two three questions what we perhaps yeah we have one some more minutes uh, so let us briefly do retrospective so we hope of course you like the session so it was just uh, 50 minutes or so so of course we we, we try we, we try to bring you some inspirations and tips so could you please reflect and share what you take with you like one two points in the chat this would be great so i will again try to read loud the chat so just state the one two points what you take away i think that's also a good message for checking out for making a retrospective for reflection uh Students need to be prepared also. Yeah, we had a good example by a trainer above. He sends uh, emails to students in fr uh, up front uh, with some hints. Engage learners early. Students need to be prepared, right? Use interactive methods like polls and chat. Also, whiteboard is very, uh, very strong depending on what the context is. Uh, use interactive, yeah more and shorter breaks, right? I actually learned that also. Reflections for students, several topics for me and to share inside my company as a structure, increased awareness. Okay, don't multitask. Yeah, some teams think you can multitask, but I think learning complex things probably is not the best thing <laughs> to multitask. Arrive emotionally, start engagement with icebreakers, fight the distraction, Tell participants they can support each other. Not too many breakout rooms. Uh, in our context also, in some contexts like workshop, it may make sense. But in our, let's say, product training, it it's, uh, perhaps doesn't make that much sense. All right. Talk to each other, not only to the instructor, right? Thanks so much. So that's good that you took something with you. Uh, very glad. Uh, my endings and beginnings. Yeah, I think that's also a very good metaphor. Thanks so much, Mark. So we said we want to go for the full hour. So we have three more minutes. Uh, so we can look very briefly at the questions. Uh, how I think that's a good point. Uh, one question is, Mark, how do you make participants talk? Usually the perhaps three people out of 10 because they are more extrovert or so and the rest would just listen any tips i think first of all it's important to recognize that sometimes you know learners learn by listening i think there's nothing wrong with that i think not not participating 
I think it isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think when it becomes very repetitive, you know, repeating, in other words, this person does not speak for a very long time. I think then the instructor perhaps should maybe take notice and um, maybe try to involve that person by just directly asking them a question or asking their opinion. So I think that we've got to be careful not to, you know, be too hung up on making sure everybody every time is interacting. But I think it's the it is certainly and clearly the job of the instructor to make sure that they are that everybody is engaged as much as possible. And and you know, instructors tend to be pretty good at picking up on these signs as well. Um, and you know, obviously the classes as it's larger, it becomes more challenging. But you'll find that most instructors are pretty good at spotting the the quiet ones. But again, the key thing is don't always assume that that quiet person is you know, somehow not learning. They, they, they sometimes will be learning in their own way. They're just a, a listener type of person. But I think checking in on them after a while is important as well. Mm. One other question uh, was also uh, any tips on gamification, like to use somehow playful techniques, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of, Gamification is often embedded within the training materials in some mm. in some cases. I mean, in in my experience of, of delivering SAP training, we we don't you know the way we design our training courses. Um, we have quizzes inbuilt. We have assessments. You know, you can't really call those. That's not really gamification as such. That's that's really just what you'd expect to gauge knowledge progression. Um, so I think that that we do have gamification in other e-learning environments as well, especially around self-study. But um, I, I'm sure other instructors might have some other ideas about gamification when it's appropriate. Maybe using other applications. Um, it'd be great if Zoom had some built-in fun features as well you know spin the wheel right. pick a question Absolutely. all those I, I i would love it if zoom would come up with something stop putting you know silly silly mustaches and, and glasses and and <laughs> giz, you know gimmicks like that and give us something that we could have like <laughs> that would really facilitate the the fun the fun fit you know fun things as well in there but we live in hope all right yeah I think we are at the full hour, so we want to be respectful for your time. So there were one, two more questions, but perhaps uh, you just can contact me if you like, or also look uh, at the blogs. There are many, many further tips. So, uh, Mark, I would really like to thank you so much for taking the time, for preparing the session. Like what you tried, we didn't wanted to make this a PowerPoint show, also more a talk. Yeah. Uh, so we hope... This was interesting for, for all of you in the in the audience. Yeah, well, thank you, Thomas, for inviting me here. It's, it's been really a, a thrill to be able to um, talk about uh, what I, I'm very passionate about, which is helping our customers and partners and, and uh, colleagues to learn SAP software using virtual training. And when done well, it's a great experience. And, and we have some great feedback from the, um, the students that take SAP Live class. Um, just about every time we, we look at the survey, we, we hardly ever find anyone who would say, no, I would not take this again. You know, it, it is a pleasant experience. But of course, the key message is we all have to make it work. We have a role to play, both the instructor and also essentially mm. the, the students have to become active you know, engaged participants and make it, you know, make it count. All right. And thanks to all of you who listened or who participated. I saw some very nice quotes, like I gained extra energy for my next training session. So that's fantastic. So <laughs> great to hear. So yeah, we all wish you a nice further day and uh, 
here. I'll see you somewhere in the next virtual whatever session, <laughs> podcast, or whatever. All right. So, and all the best. Have a great learning experience in your next uh, uh, learning sessions. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.